Hi, I'm Pastor Colin Smith, Senior Pastor of The Orchard. We're a church that loves the Bible, and this podcast features sermons from pastors at each of our six locations. Our prayer is that these messages will help root you in the Word of God, nourish you in the Gospel of Christ, and help you to bear the fruit of the Spirit. Here's today's message. I remember singing as a little kid, a little boy in church, my God is so big, so strong and so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do. I'm not sure if you remember that song, perhaps you sing that song too. But with all that's happening in our world, have you ever wondered, perhaps in the back of your mind, if God is truly in control over all things? if he really is so strong and so mighty. This past week, there was a hurricane that destroyed thousands of homes and businesses, even taking the lives of dozens of people. On July 4th, just 10 miles from our church, we saw a deranged young man senselessly shoot and murder seven people. The last 30 months, we saw a virus that killed millions of people and made everything so much harder in life. Just two years ago, I saw a friend of mine, without notice, lose his wife to sickness, left alone to raise two young children. Have you ever wondered if God is truly sovereign over all things? In the book of Daniel, we've also seen how hard it was for God's people during the exile. Families saw their young children killed by the hands of an evil tyrant. And the ones that weren't were taken to live in another land, to serve other gods, to become servants. God's people saw their aged parents die brutal deaths without compassion, without mercy. They saw the destruction of their homes and cities. And if that wasn't enough, they saw their church, the one they faithfully served and built, they saw it burned to the ground. This is 2 Chronicles chapter 36, verse 17. The king of the Chaldeans, Nebuchadnezzar, killed their young men with the sword and had no compassion on young man or virgin, old man or aged. And he burned the house of God and broke down the wall of Jerusalem and burned all its palaces with fire and destroyed all its precious vessels. He took into exile in Babylon those who had escaped the sword and they became servants to him and to his sons. But to encourage God's people, the prophet Jeremiah wrote a letter, if you remember, and told them, told God's people to live as strangers in Babylon to build houses, and to raise families. He told God's people that God had a plan for them, a plan for their welfare, a plan for their future, that God would bring them back to their land and restore their nation. But after several years of living in this foreign land as strangers, instead of weakening in power, they saw this evil king subdue his enemies and grow in power. And I'm sure they continued to trust the Lord, at least on the outside. But they were wondering on the inside, is God still sovereign? Is our God still in control? But our God isn't a God who stays quiet. 
He's a God who speaks. He's the God who spoke creation into being. He's the one who commanded the storm and it was calm. He's the one who spoke and the leper was healed and the blind were healed. And it's in this time when he saw his people lose hope, when he saw them suffering, that he spoke to them. And his message to those who are discouraged is laid out for us right here in Daniel chapter 4. Daniel chapter 4 is a word of encouragement for those who are suffering and troubled. And it's reminding not only his people then, but it's reminding us today that he was and that God still is sovereign over all things. Our God is the most High God. That's what it starts with. Well, our story begins with a shocking letter. A shocking letter. We read in verse 1, King Nebuchadnezzar to all peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. It has seemed good to me to show the signs and wonders that the most high God has done for me. How great are his signs, how mighty his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and his dominion endures from generation to generation. Now, Nebuchadnezzar had worshipped the Lord before. He declared that Daniel's God was the God of gods and the Lord of kings. He declared that only Daniel's God could save. But it was clear to the people that the king's worship wasn't genuine Nebuchadnezzar was only interested in his own name and his own fame, his own glory. But this declaration was different. This was a confession. The king confesses that God is the most high God. And instead of speaking of his own golden kingdom, he writes about God's everlasting kingdom that endures from generation to generation. This tyrant king who only thought of himself, who oppressed God's people, is now confessing faith in this God. Can you imagine the people reading this letter? Wondering if this could actually be true, how this brutal king came to know the Lord? This is the kind of spam letter that goes in the trash, that goes in the spam folder. Can it be that the king has truly come to know the Lord? In the book of Acts, we're told that a man, we're told about a man who persecuted the church. He killed Christians, dragged them into jail, and gave his approval so they could be stoned to death. He was a man feared by Christians, even feared by the religious leaders of the church. But this man, a man by the name of Saul, saw a vision of the Lord. And he came to believe and worship the living God. And when he tried to join the disciples in Jerusalem, Everyone was afraid of him. They couldn't believe that he became a follower of Christ. This has got to be a trick. But Barnabas took him and brought him and showed the others how Paul had changed, how the Lord had changed him from Saul to Paul, from persecutor to believer. And all were amazed that this man became to know the Lord. Sometimes we may wonder if those who are far from the Lord can come to know him when many seem more interested in pleasure and just living life than in the God of the Bible. But let's remember that God can change 
the hardest heart, the heart that seems most unchangeable in our eyes, God can transform. And though at times the church may seem weak and bruised, shrinking instead of growing, and those around us may seem indifferent to what we have to share, let's not believe the devil's lie. Let's not give up praying for those we love. Let's not give up hope in what God can do. As the Lord was reminding his people in exile, he's reminding us today that our church and our lives, that our prayers can make a difference because he can change the hardest heart. What is impossible with man is possible with God. After confessing his faith in verses 1 to 3, the king begins to share his testimony, how he came to believe in the God of the Bible. Okay, king, you're confessing your faith. You say that God is the most high God. What happened? Tell us. Well, this king had subdued and defeated all his enemies, and his rule was now firmly established. So we're told in verse 4 that the king was at ease in his house and prosperous in his palace. But then the king had a dream. It says, I saw a dream that made me afraid. As I lay in bed, the fancies and the visions of my head alarmed me. So I made a decree that all the wise men of Babylon should be brought before me. Then the magicians and the enchanters, the Chaldeans and the astrologers came in, and I told them the dream, but they could not make known to me its interpretation. When your heart is tied to comfort and prosperity in this world, you'll quickly realize that your peace can't last very long. That peace in this world is so easily shattered. It's because you're trying to hang on to something that's going to disappear. The Bible is clear that everything in this world, mountains and oceans, homes and cars, power and possessions will one day be gone. In John chapter 2, verse 16, it states clearly, for all that is in the world... The desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life, all these things are passing away. And for this king, it's not a lost battle. It's not a hurricane or a stock market crash or a world pandemic. All it took was a dream. He had a bad dream and his peace was shattered. What's even more sad is how helpless all the magicians and enchanters and Chaldeans and astrologers are to help this king. In chapter 2, these men were called to make known the dream and the interpretation. Do you remember the story of chapter 2? The king said, I'm not going to tell you my dream. You tell me my dream and the interpretation. But here the king graciously tells them his dream. And in chapter 2, they told the king, these enchanters and Astrologers, if you just tell us the dream, then we'll be able to give you the interpretation. Sounds good. So here we are in chapter 4, and the king does exactly that. He tells them the dream. But they still can't help him. The experts, the best educated men, the wisest men of the world, they have no answers for the king. Verse 7 states, I told them the dream, but they could not make known to me its interpretation. Finally, we're told in verse 8 that Daniel came to the king. Daniel came to interpret the dream. And the king tells Daniel that, well, he says, I saw a great tree as high as the heavens with abundant fruit and beautiful leaves. 
And all the animals and birds were fed by this tree resting in its shade. But then the king saw a watcher from heaven, a holy one, and he commanded that the tree be cut down, stripped of its leaves, and its food be scattered. And in the end, all that was left was the stump of the tree. And the king says he heard a voice from heaven declare, let his mind be changed from a man's and let a beast's mind be given to him. And let seven periods of time pass over him. And in anxiousness, he asks Daniel, please, Daniel, do you know what this means? What does this dream mean to me? Daniel tells the king, well, King Nebuchadnezzar, the tree represents you as the tree reached the heavens. So Daniel says that the king, his rule and greatness has reached over all the earth. You've subdued all your enemies. Now you're on top. And the voice of the watcher, we're told, is the voice of the Most High God, who declares that Nebuchadnezzar be driven from men, that he would become a beast, that his mind would become that of an animal, eating grass like an ox. Daniel tells the king, this is going to be your state until you acknowledge that it is the Most High God alone who rules the kingdom of men. Now, I skipped over something here, and I want to go back to it. But before Daniel tells the king his dream, I want you to notice something important the Bible is showing us here. Notice Daniel's posture as he approaches this king. This is verse 19. Then Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, was dismayed for a while. So here, here's the king's dream, and he's dismayed for a while. And his thoughts alarmed him. The king answered and, and said, Belteshazzar, let not the dream or the interpretation alarm you. And Belteshazzar answered and said, may the, My lord, may the dream be for those who hate you and its interpretation for your enemies. Now that's fascinating. Why is Daniel dismayed and alarmed? Some people read this verse and comment that Daniel is dismayed and alarmed because he's afraid the king's going to kill him for sharing bad news. So he's alarmed. Oh no, I've got to tell the king that he's going to be humbled and destroyed. What if the king destroys me? And so he's alarmed. And they argue that to ease the king's mind, Daniel tries to pamper the king. Oh, king, may this be for your enemies, not for you. But does that sound like the Daniel we've seen in Chapter 1 and chapter 2, after being taken from his home, Daniel, this young teenager, resolved to refrain from the king's food, his meat and his wine. And when his life was threatened, when he was about to be killed, he trusted and prayed, not in panic, but with faith in the Lord, in peace. And when he appeared before the king to interpret the first dream, without fear, he told the king when the king asks, Daniel, can you interpret this dream? He says, no, I can't, but my God can. Daniel isn't scared for his life. He's not trying to pamper up the king. No, Daniel is dismayed and alarmed because he's genuinely, genuinely concerned for this pagan king. He truly desires that this king, who years earlier took him from his home and family, wouldn't have to face this Coming judgment. Verse 19 could have said, Daniel was overjoyed and relieved when he heard the king's dream. 
That's not what it says. Instead, it says that Daniel was dismayed and alarmed. Bible scholar Ralph Davis writes, and I quote, Daniel had a genuine compassion and concern for this pagan king. Excellent programs, robust outreach, evangelism strategies, speaking the clarity of God's truth, all of these are good and necessary things for the church to grow. But the Bible is showing us here the best outreach strategy, the best way the church can make an impact in this world, the best way to be salt and light. It's through compassion and love, even for our enemies, that we can make an impact in this world. Because without love, everything becomes a noisy gong or a clinging symbol. Because without love, even our best efforts, even if we were to give away all that we had and give our bodies to be burned, the Apostle Paul states, you would gain nothing. Perhaps we're not seeing many come to the Lord in our nation today, not because the people out there are indifferent to the God in here, but maybe, just maybe, it's that the people in here have become indifferent to the people out there. Well, after 12 months had passed, we're told in verse 28 that all these things came to be. The king was walking on the roof of his palace, looking over the city, and he would have seen the massive double wall protecting the city with 60 feet towers and 40 feet gates. He would have seen his three palaces that he built for himself and the beautiful hanging garden that was visible from the outside that he built for his wife one of the seven ancient wonders of the world. He would have seen hundreds of statues of lions and dragons, all the temples he had built over the city. But as he looked over the city, taking pride in his power and in what he had done, we're told that his reason left him. He became like a beast, eating grass like an ox, covered in feathers like an eagle, and growing nails like bird's claws. But then after the time had passed, He lifted up his eyes. He lifted up his eyes to heaven and honored the Lord, declaring him to be the most high God. And we read, My reason returned to me, and for the glory of my kingdom, my majesty and splendor returned to me. My counselors and my Lord sought me, and I was established in my kingdom, and still more greatness was added to me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven for all his works are right and his ways are just and those who walk in pride he is able to humble. Not only do we see a compassionate servant in Daniel, but throughout the book of Daniel, we also see a gracious God who reveals himself. He could have destroyed the king, but again and again, we see the Lord pursuing him. In fact, it's through the king's evil, his kidnapping of these young men, that he came to know the Lord. What he meant for evil, the Lord meant for good. And God sent Daniel to this king to be a light and to be a blessing to him. And not only was the king restored to power, but this is awesome. We're told that even more greatness was added to him. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven, for all his works are right and his ways are just. Those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. God's people were wondering, 
if God was still in charge, if their God was truly sovereign, if their God was still in control, and in their discouragement and in suffering and their questioning, the Lord spoke to them, not through a prophet, not through an angelic messenger, not through a voice in heaven, but through the very king who was oppressing them. And the Lord was showing them that he's the one who sets up and tears down, that he is the king of all kings. Yes, I am in control. And through the king's confession, the Lord was speaking to his people. He was telling his people, hang in there. Hang in there because I have a plan for you, a plan for your welfare, welfare, a plan for your future. Persevere. Daniel chapter 4 isn't mainly about Daniel or Nebuchadnezzar. It's not a story about pride and how we need humility mainly or even evangelism. Daniel chapter 4 is primarily about the sovereignty of God. And the Lord is speaking to us today, showing that he's in control even today. I don't know what you're facing or what load you're carrying on your heart. Maybe it's a heavy load. But you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be worried. You can have hope and peace. You can persevere because the Lord is sovereign. And he's working out his good plan in you. And in your life, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we signed up our son to play percussion in the school band. You may not know this, but the percussion kit, it's a very heavy instrument. You have to lug a snare drum in that kit, in that bag, and a set of bells, and all the music stands that go with it. It's very heavy. And you have to lug it back and forth from school. And picking up my son's instrument, it reminded me of when I had to do that when I was a kid, because I played percussion too. I wanted to play the trumpet, but after a couple of weeks, I had to change my instrument because my ears started hurting. And the ENT doctor told me that I could not play any instrument that used my mouth. It would hurt my ears. So by God's divine plan, I switched to playing drums. And there were many days when my mom was at work and I had to walk all the way home with that percussion kit from school, nearly a mile. And it was around that time my father also decided to leave our family. Sometimes it was embarrassing lugging that kid around. I often wondered, why am I doing this? Why, am I the only kid lugging this thing, this kid around back and forth from home? There were many times I just wanted to quit. But for some reason, I felt I needed to carry that kit, that I needed to continue to play the drums. And just remembering those days, I told my wife that, you know what, honey, we should buy our son two kits so that he could leave one at school and one at home so he didn't have to carry that thing around. He doesn't even have to walk home. We give him a ride every day. But just thinking back on my hardship, I didn't want my son to go through that. But then my wife reminded me and she said, well, Tom, it built resilience in you, didn't it? It made you tough. It made you strong. It's very true. It did. I still remember that time. Just walking home, cold, rain, shine. In fact, because I learned the drums, I was able to play drums in worship at our church as a youth student. And because I played in the worship team at church, I began to learn the guitar and even started leading worship at church. And because I led worship, I was able to get a job as a worship leader at several churches in the Chicagoland area and develop my skill. And because I developed my skill, I was able to get a job at the Orchard Itasca 
as a worship leader 10 years ago. And because I worked at the orchard, I was able to meet men like Colin Smith and Scott Lothry, who encouraged me to preach, to lead, because of godly mentors. I was able to open a church in Vernon Hills with godly, loving people with a passion for Jesus Christ. You know, as a kid, I didn't know why I had to carry that load back and forth from home. I didn't know why my family was struggling so much. But the Lord knew that this little kid needed to build resilience so he could open up a church in the middle of a pandemic. And the Lord was telling that little boy, hang in there, kid, because I got a plan for you. I don't know what load you're carrying today, but Daniel chapter 4 is telling you, it's telling us today to persevere, to hang in there, because the Lord has a plan for you. And you know what? It will be established because the Lord still is and always will be sovereign over all things because we worship the most high God. Man, let's pray together. Father, we come before you this morning and sometimes we look at our world and we don't understand why things happen the way they happen. But God, we are reminded this morning that you are in control, that you reign sovereign, and all things work together for your glory and for your good. What men plan for evil, you work it out for good, for the good of your people. And Father, whatever we may be facing this morning, help us to remember that God, you are in control of our lives, that you are involved, and that you are leading us and your spirit is protecting us. Increase our faith and help us to trust in you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Orchard Sermon Podcast. If you enjoyed this message, please subscribe, become a regular listener, and share the link with others. And if you're in the northwest suburbs of Chicago, we'd love to welcome you as our guest at one of the Orchard Six locations. For more information, go to theorchard.church. That's theorchard.church.